hi, I'm Alan, a grateful recovery food addict. Um, um, so this workshop today is I'm gonna give somewhat of my story, talk about um, a relapse that I had, and then share about a process I learned about to prevent relapses. And then we're actually gonna go through the process um, where you can you know, work through it personally. So um, just let me start from there. Um, I have been in OA a little over 31 years. Um, this is a picture of me, if you can see it. My top physical weight was uh, 335 pounds. So I'm 150 pounds under my top weight. There's another one. Um, by the way, I'm naturally soft-spoken. So if you can't hear me, just like say talk louder or visually or something like that. I think I'll try to talk louder. So um, I've been um, in OA 31 years. I've been abstinent 26 of the 31 years. Uh, with some relapses in there, which I'll talk about. The most continuous was uh, 14 and a half years and now about six and a half years. So just a little of my traditional OA background. Um, I lost my dad as a kid and I was raised by my mother and grandmother. When I say kid, I mean as an infant. I, I saw my dad once in my life. I was raised by my mother and grandmother and my uh, mother struggled with significant mental health issues, primarily depression, which meant um, that she wasn't able to hold down a job and because of that, we lived on public assistance in New York City, 1960s. And uh, we lived in what you call projects. And it was um, basically inner city ghetto. And um, what that meant was it was a very unsafe, physically safe place to be. And um, numerous times I was severely beaten up just walking to school or going through the streets. So once um, almost beaten to death with a baseball bat, um, I was times just had my face punched in. I mean, just really you know, major trauma just from, from the violence in my neighborhood. And then it was um, further magnified by my family life. Uh, my grandmother had a stroke when I was 12 and died shortly thereafter. And my mother, um, my, my mother's depression mostly manifested as suicide attempts. And when I was uh, starting maybe at age 10 or 11, she would regularly ask me to commit suicide with her. Um, and literally she would hand me a bottle of sleeping pills and tell me to take these pills and die because life was that hopeless. And so it was um, a pretty horrific way to start life. And I, at a very early age, discovered if I went to the candy store, if I found that ice cream truck, if I found good stuff in the fridge, somehow it, was, it made things better. Just somehow it made things better. And honestly, I'm kind of grateful for you know my food addiction because I'd rather be putting M&Ms into my mouth than sleeping pills. And so, uh, when I was 13, my mother overdosed. She didn't die, but because she had so many suicide attempts, they warehoused her in a long-term psychiatric institution. She lost legal custody of me. Custody of me. She was never my mother again, and I went into a foster home. Um, I was there till I was 16, um, and then um, was essentially on my own. Um, right, right, starting right around 16, I did good, good at school and went off to college at 16, and the first thing I discovered was the unlimited meal plans. And it was unbelievable that you, to me that you could just go back as much as you want and eat anything you want in these you know, university cafeterias. And I can literally, literally remember you know, putting like three entrees on my tray and bringing it back to a table. And the other students said, oh, did you bring food for us? I was like, no, this is mine. I mean, I would binge with abandon. I had no shame at all. I just wanted to eat as much as I could. 
And uh, long story short, I, I doubled, literally doubled my weight in four years. I gained 170 pounds in four years. Uh, barely, barely graduated from college, learned to abuse alcohol, marijuana, a few other drugs, barely went to classes. I mean, just was, was really a mess and smoked a pack of cigarettes a day just to top it off. And um, I got out of college and someone told me about OA. I was 20 years old. I went to my first OA meeting and um, it was in a church and I was um, kind of initially Jewish, but I was really kind of nothing. I wasn't religious at all. And um, I don't think I'd ever been in a church before. And um, I went down at this basement and I saw these 12 steps on the wall, which referenced God. And the people sharing were mentioning God and Jesus Christ by name. And I was like, yikes, this is a Christian weight loss group, you know? And um, I'm not, I'm not going to be a Christian to lose weight. So I, I left and went back to the refrigerator and um, continued to eat for seven more years. And again, seven years later, somebody got me to an OA meeting. And at this particular meeting, um, it wasn't at a church. And um, the, per the person who was sharing was basically just telling how bad food had beaten them up, how they had gotten so grossly obese and the binges they had had. And um, it was obvious to me that there were other grossly obese people in the world, but I never really knew how they got there. I never thought about it. I mean, I just, well, obviously they must have eaten too much, but you know, I never really heard another person's story dealing with uh, you know, that kind of obesity. And um, I related, I was like, wow, that's me. I have done those kinds of things with food. I remember this one speaker shared that at a restaurant uh, before they bust the food, you know, left on people's tables, she would go up to tables and grab, you know, a piece of a sandwich or a piece of this, and she would eat off of other people's unbussed tables. And I had done that. And I had never told another soul I had done that. It's an incredibly embarrassing thing, right, to be eating half-eaten food off of strangers' tables. You couldn't get more of a shameful behavior that you wouldn't want to share. And um, I was like, wow, you know, and then person after person shared things like that. And I just identified like, this is me, this is me, but these people had lost weight. So like whatever they were doing, sign me up. You know what I mean? They, like I, whatever they're doing, I don't want to be this fat anymore, you know? And so I, I kept coming back. And um, what happened over the next few months is not only did people share about food, people shared really personal things. People talked about abusive marriages and uh, children and family stuff and sexual abuse and, you know, all kinds of stuff, stuff I'd never heard anyone share, you know, like, and, uh, and all of a sudden I started sharing my stuff. And, you know, until I came to that room, those rooms, there was not a soul in the world that knew that my mother used to ask me to kill myself and spent much of her life in a psychiatric hospital. I mean, who would you tell that to if you didn't have a therapist, right? Like, who, where would you share that? You know, to your coworkers, people you meet at the bar, you know what I mean? Like, so, and um, this gave me that space to share stuff. That OA was my gateway to recovery. Because, you know, I went into OA and, you know, I remember sharing, you know, things like I just shared and someone would say to me, wow, the fact that your mother used to regularly ask you to kill yourself, that's kind of a lot for a sponsor to sort out with you. You know, maybe you need a therapist, you know, and um, I'm an incest survivor. I was sexually abused as a child. And when I shared that at some OA meetings, they said to me, you know, OA probably can't do a lot for you with that. But there's this thing called Survivors of Incest Anonymous. You might want to check them out. And so OA just became this 
you know, gateway to get the various kinds of recovery that I needed because I had a pretty high trauma childhood and on other parts of my life as well. So um, I kept coming back and then I heard this word sponsor. You know, people kept saying, I get a sponsor, ask a sponsor, sponsor, sponsor. So I said, what's the sponsor thing? And I finally got this guy to be my sponsor. I didn't know it at the time, but he was what they would call a big book thumper. It was all about the first 164 pages of the big book, kind of like maybe a vision for you, if you know what that is. And um, we would like study it, you know, line after line, comma, semicolon, what was Bill thinking when he wrote that line? And uh, he got me to, you know, work through the steps from that perspective very rigorously. And then at the same time, I learned of a type of OA called How HOW. Maybe most of you have heard of that. It's a kind of OA that's very structured. You get a food plan from a nutritionist, you weigh and measure your food, you call in your food every day, you do writing every day, you call your sponsor to set time. Very, very structured. Some people have called it the Marine Corps of OA, you know, like boot camp or something. And so I, I joined this HOW group within OA, it's part of OA, and did that as well. And, uh, and things went well, you know, I, I got to go away for the first time in my life. I worked through the steps, I got into therapy, I got into other fellowships I needed. My life really started to get much better after having been not so good for a while. Um, and I'll just share one thing on the steps, a quick aside. When I got to step eight and nine, step eight scared the heck out of me. I had 72 things on it. I had gone through life with this basic worldview that do anything you want, long as you don't get caught. If you don't get caught, that's all that matters. So I had like stole and lied and then all sorts of things. And I remember thinking if I was gonna go back and do these 70 some things and make amends in step nine, I needed a new worldview. And that worldview was basically, instead of just thinking about me, I had to think about if I was gonna take an action, how does it affect others? I had to balance you know, taking care of myself and how my actions affect the rest of the world. And I remember thinking hard, did I want to take on that new worldview, that balance of me and we? And I remember my sponsor saying, well, if you don't, you probably will eat again. And I made that decision imperfectly, you know, three decades ago and um, had to go do a lot of difficult things, including um, admitting that I uh, committed insurance fraud with credit cards and literally write letters with the exact dates and details to the people that ran the credit card companies, you know, basically written confessions and some really difficult things, but they all worked out, they all worked out. So in any case, now on to relapse. Um, so I got to Galway, I'd worked through the steps, you know, I mean, I was like, what OA is about, right? Yeah, work the tools and the steps, you lose weight, you know, your life changes, which is wonderful. And um, slowly I got into this like, you know, been there, done that, you know, kind of like I did what I needed to do. And a series of little things happened. The first was my sponsor called me up one day, my house sponsor, and he said, hey, Alan, I'm in relapse. I guess I can't sponsor you anymore. And I said to him, wait, wait, wait a second. You've like been my anchor. We've been talking daily for all this time. You know, I don't care. Can you please still be my sponsor? And he said, oh, okay. So I now had a sponsor in relapse. And, um, I started going to less meetings. And with the sponsor relapse, if I didn't do a writing or something was a little bit sloppy, he's like, eh, you know, uh, cause he was in relapse. And I remember the epitome of it was once I called in my food and I called in onion rings as a vegetable. And he said to me, well, you know, 
onion rings, isn't that really just like bread and oil with a little bit of onion running through it? And I said, yeah, but it does have that onion in it. So technically it's a vegetable. He said, good point. You know, and onion rings became one of my regular vegetables, you know, and it was that kind of thing. And it was really like death by a thousand cuts, you know, like just less meetings, less phone calls, less service, every little thing. And, and suddenly one day I just picked up and I really picked up and I gained 30 pounds in 30 days and I was dying, you know, really just dying again after having had, you know, a little under two years of recovery. And several people in Howe were really scared the veracity of how I was binging that rate of weight gain, you know, pound a day or so. And they suggested that I go to a 12 step based treatment center. I won't mention the name. I think it's out of business anyway, but, um, so they set it up and I went down to Florida and did, you know, a month of inpatient and it was 12 step based and, you know, it kind of went well. And I came out and was abstinent again. And, uh, you know, I kind of really needed that jump start. Um, while I was there, um, I met an addiction counselor there. And uh, I'm going to give you a little bit of a, a backstory. Um, in AA, there's been a lot of study on, you know, how to prevent relapse from alcoholism. And there's been a lot of research, both in, within AA and you know, outside of AA. And there was a particular researcher, again, I'm not going to mention his name. He was in AA. He was also probably the top researcher of um, you know, preventing uh, relapse in alcoholism. And um, the, the person at their treatment center had studied with him and was the first person to apply it to eating disorders, the first person to look at how do you prevent relapse from eating disorders, from food addiction. Um, and so about a year later, after I was abstinent for a year, some of the other people who had also been to that same treatment center said, we should ask this guy to help teach us how to prevent relapse. And we actually, the seven of us chipped in, we flew this guy in and we spent a weekend with him and he sort of taught us what he knew from this model of how to prevent relapse. And we started a monthly group, and we called it a relapse prevention support group because we wanted to help each other prevent relapse. And um, we followed this format. And of those seven people, I wanna say four or five of them now have between like 25 and 30 years of abstinence. Um, you know, one or two dropped out for different reasons, but time after time over these years, you know, someone would start to get a little bit off and um, they would kind of work this process and come back to center. And so I was really just so um, impressed by how well it worked. And so what I'm going to be talking about much of the rest of today is, you know, what this process is and, and how you, you know, have the ability to prevent relapse. Um, the basic idea is that um, relapse just doesn't happen out of nowhere. It's a process. It's not an event. You will not meet people who are working the steps, have a sponsor, following the food plan, going to meetings, you know, working all the tools, traditions, and suddenly, you know, a pizza flies out of the midair layer and hits them in the face, or they fall into a vat of ice cream. It just doesn't happen like that, right? People who are working strong, solid programs, you know, stay abstinent. Uh, but what does happen is the death by a thousand cuts. It starts to come down and down and, and issues happen. And so the whole, the basic principle is that if you detect a warning sign and then you manage the warning sign, perhaps get help, you can prevent the, um, I'll speak a little louder. So just to give kind of a, a very basic analogy, 
you know, we all drive cars and cars have dashboards with little warning lights, you know? And if a little yellow light goes on and says low air pressure or goes on and says that um, your brakes, you know, or pads are low or maybe your oil is low. Well, if you ignore that little yellow light, you know, and just keep driving away and just, you know, put a piece of tape over it so you don't see it, well, what's gonna happen? Your tires are gonna go flat, your brakes are gonna stop working, your uh, engine's gonna burn out from not enough oil. You know, you're gonna have a relapse or not an accident or a crash. But if you acknowledge that little yellow light and say, oh, that's happening and manage it, um, things are gonna go better. And sometimes you can do it yourself. So to think about the low air in the tire, little light goes on, add air to tire. I know how to do that. I go to the gas station, pump it up, you know, put the pressure gauge, boom, no problem. Now, when the brake light goes on for the warning, um, I don't know much about that. I kind of need to get help there. I need somebody else to help me. Maybe I need someone to, you know, go with me to the mechanic and drive me home while it's there overnight, you know? Um, oil change, you know, maybe I can do an oil change. Not really, but, you know, maybe somebody else can help me do it or they can, again, follow me to the mechanic. So the idea is that if you have a warning sign, you make an action plan to deal with it, and then perhaps you get help from somebody else, in this case, OA, um, you can prevent the relapse, you can prevent the crash. And, and that's the basic principle. It's, it's a very simple idea, really. Um, so I'm going to just do a screen share for a second, more than a second. Let's see. Okay. Uh, and hopefully you're all looking at a thing that now says, relapse prevention support group. And if not, uh, you know, wave frantically that you're not. Um, so I'm gonna read a little bit part of it. Relapse is a process, not an event. That's the key thing. Relapse is a process. Over time, we may change how we work our program in subtle ways, doing less of the things that help us stay abstinent. This works for a while, but eventually we may find ourselves in relapse. When a compulsive overeater has a relapse, Food is typically the last thing to go, right? Food is typically the last thing to go. The purpose of the worksheet is to help OA members prevent possible relapses, pre-relapses. So there are two basic principles, that there are predictable warning signs that precede relapse. Before the relapse, things can be predicted. And relapse can be prevented if we learn to recognize and manage our personal warning signs. So it's a three-step process. You identify your personal relapse warning signs, particularly ones that are currently ha happening. So there's certain things you may know about yourself that are relapse warning signs, but they're not currently happening, but you wanna identify the ones that are currently happening. You make an action plan to manage it, and then you ask for OA support in order to do it. And you wanna be specific on support. Who will help me? How will they help me? When will they help me? Where will they help me? So, and you can take these steps either with an OA sponsor, an OA buddy, a fellow of the group, whoever you like. So I'm just gonna give a real simple example here using these columns. Um, a typical warning sign is that red light foods, excuse me, um, you're taking red light foods or yellow light foods and turning them green. For those who don't know the jargon, typically a red light food is something you never eat. It just doesn't work for you, whatever, you know, pizza, fried chicken, you know, whatever your red light foods are. Yellow, perhaps ones you eat sometimes, but you're not sure, you eat them carefully, you think twice about it. And green foods are things that are no problem. 
So like starting to go, wait a second, that used to be a red light food, now I'm making it yellow, now I'm making it green. Yeah, that's a warning sign. What would the action be? The action would be to recommit what's red, yellow, and green. Go through your list and say, that's red, that's yellow, that's green. Just make it really clear, recommit it. Now, how can you get support? You go to your sponsor and have an honest conversation. Go to your food sponsor and say, hey, let's talk this out. I'm starting to manipulate my food plan. So that would be getting support for the action of clarifying your foods. So in terms of relapse warning signs, I put them into four categories. These aren't absolute things at all, but I think it's sometimes a simple way to think about it. The first column is your OA program. The second column is things around food, physical things. The third is uh, emotional, spiritual. And the last one is life triggers and events. And I want to emphasize these um, columns are not in a matrix, like we're not going right to left across. They're independent, right? They're just independent lists. I just talk them in a table for simplicity. So I'm just going to go down. The OA program are the most obvious things, right? You're going to less meetings. You're not going to meetings. You're not calling your sponsor. You're stalled on the steps. You're not making phone calls or texts, leaving meetings early, you know, not sponsoring, not doing service. Basically, you're not working the OA program. Those are, that's the most obvious thing. You're not you know, working your OA program, not having action plans. Whatever your OA program is that's working, you stop doing pieces of it. So that's program. Um, the second is physical and food. You know, we, the essence of our program is to not eat the foods that damage us, not to eat the ways that are harmful to us. And if you're starting to move toward those, again, that's a natural warning sign. So for some people, this could be eating between meals, portion creep, you know, the red light example I just gave, rationalizing food choices, uh, eating out more than normal, uh, night eating, grazing, adding alcohol in, recreational drugs, other addictive substances, being obsessed with free foods. I've heard more people start to go crazy over chewing them and diet sodas and these various, you know, other ways to put things in our mouth, uh, not measuring um, I think somebody's playing around. There's like a green line on here. Not measuring foods used to measure, um, excessively weighing yourself. Um, third column, emotional, spiritual. Uh, anything that's putting you out of balance in your emotional, spiritual life, losing your connection to your higher power, ongoing resentments, uh, if you struggle with depression, not treating it, uh, alienation from your religion of choice or spiritual crisis, uh, not getting enough sleep, anxiety, other mental health issues, medication side effects, uh, not getting correct tr treatment for any mental health problem you may need, um, health issues that affect your emotions, maybe not being able to exercise, um, anything, really anything that affects your serenity, anything that at some emotional, spiritual level is pulling you away from center, you know, potentially could be moving you toward the food. Um, the last category is life events and triggers. Right, we all have stuff that happens and sometimes it's quite difficult. And again, food historically can be a way to try to manage things that are difficult. So a major work loss, of course, COVID's not on the list, but COVID has been a stressor for the whole planet. Financial issues, um, health issues of a loved one, um, both yours or your loved one's health issues. Um, travel, particularly to a new place. Um, we always talk about holidays being a major trigger for a lot of people, challenging food choices, holiday food traditions, a move, whether it's a local move or a long distance move, 
relationship difficulties, a breakup, a divorce, elder care issues, any kind of things where you have to take care of somebody else, family members having problems, particularly your children, death of a loved one. So any of these you know, can be relapse warning signs. So that's an example of what the warning signs are. The next step is once you identify, particularly the ones you're having now, is how do you manage it? And the management step is usually pretty straightforward. For example, in the program column, it's typically to do the things you weren't doing before. If you weren't calling your sponsor, call your sponsor. If you're going to more meetings, go back to the meetings. If you're leaving the meetings early, stay at the meetings till the end. If you gave up on literature, go back to the literature. Similar with food things. If you're making food choices that don't serve you, you know, you want to recommit to make better food choices. Often for the emotional, spiritual, we often know what we have to do, um, you know, whether it's to work the steps, go back to a therapist, talk with the doctor about medication, um, the life events and triggers. Again, often what to do isn't going to come out of OA, it's going to come out of you or the rest of your life, you know, whether it's figuring out the details of a move or a job situation or an employment search. So where OA can often mostly help is not so much what the action is that you have to take. I mean, sometimes you can talk it through with people, but it's to get the support to take those actions. You know, we often know what we have to do, but it's hard to do it. It's not just about knowing, it's about getting support. You know, it's a reprogram. So here are some examples of getting support. Um, Making phone calls in the moment when you need help. Call someone to commit a plan of action or daily action, maybe make a daily call. Call someone after you've taken an action. Sometimes they have this bookend thing. You have to do something difficult. You can call before and call after. And I say call, it could be text, it could be WhatsApp, it could be, right? There's more ways to communicate that we keep track of, but any way you like to communicate. Get a sponsor or a program buddy, bookend a difficult action. Talk to people who have the experience of the action that you're taking for that help. I mean, I just, as a quick aside, I had to spend um, three weeks in Asia a couple of years ago, and I was going to be eating out basically, you know, 63 times in a country where I couldn't read the language and didn't know the menus or the food. And there was a guy in OA who had spent six months in Asia, um, in fact, the same country. And I spent quite a bit of time you know, because I knew that was going to be a big risk for my abstinence being in another country, different food, time zones, blah, 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 right? And so again, I was like, help, you've been there, you came back abstinent, what did you do? And he helped me with others have a really detailed, thoughtful plan. And I came back the same way abstinent, you know, after a very challenging experience, honestly. Um, so do any of the above by text or email, go or email, go to more meetings, do the service that involves talking to other people, ask someone to organize a meeting in your home, ask people to attend it. So often to do these things, we need help. Sometimes we can do them on our own. It's sort of like I can put air in the tire on my own, but I really can't change the brakes on my own. And you kind of have to figure out what you can do on your own and where you need help. So um, I'm now gonna talk a little bit more about what we'll be going through during the exercise. We're going to get together in groups three times, uh, breakout groups. The first time we get together in a breakout group, we're just going to focus on relapse warning signs. You're going to go through it and just take, um, first you'll take a few minutes on your own before you actually get into the group. And then a few minutes on your own, you're just going to focus on this first column. 
am I, what are my, what are some program relapse warning signs? What are some food or physical relapse warning signs? What are some emotional, spiritual, and what are some life events and triggers? And I put in there other warning signs. If there's something that doesn't fall into that category and you feel it's a relapse warning sign, write it down. And then of those, are there any that you're happening now? And you can just sort of put a check in it and we're gonna transfer this document to you. But if somehow that doesn't work, don't worry about it. Just take a piece of paper and just write down what are some relapse warning signs. Just remember the categories, program, food, emotional, spiritual, and life events. You know, but hopefully the document will come through to you. Um, so that's what we're going to do in the first round. And then we'll get into groups of threes or fours and just share exactly what, what happened. Then in the second round, you're going to take that same piece of paper and you're going to say, what would be my action plan for that? And if you're not having any relapse warning signs now, that's wonderful. That's great. But you can still just say, if this is one I know I'm at risk at, you know, just put down what you might do. Maybe you know you have a wedding next summer, you know, and you just know that, okay, that's not till next summer, but you know that weddings are tricky because, you know, there's all this food stuff and you go, ah, I'm going to have to call the catering hall and ask them what they're having or something like that, or, you know, call my sponsor before I get there and tell them what I'm going to eat. You know, you can just put in what you would do as an action plan for that. And then we'll do, again, come back and back into small groups of three or four and just share what you wrote. And then we'll do a third one where again, first on your own, you talk about how you can get program support for those actions. You may not need program support. It may just simply be, you know, weigh, weigh your food when you go out to eat and you can do that. But it may be, oh, I need to bookend it with my sponsor because I don't like bringing my scale to a restaurant. So I do need to get the support. So it's up to you if you think you need support to do what you've wrote down to manage your plan. And so I just gave, again, a couple of examples at the bottom of the sheet, um, one in each category. Um, program category, not calling my sponsor regularly. What would be the action? Call my sponsor regularly. The actions are often pretty obvious. Um, how do I get support? I talk with my sponsor, I acknowledge what's happening, I discuss any issues, maybe we set up a fixed time, maybe the problem is I'm afraid to call my sponsor because they're busy or you know, our schedules don't work, but if we have a fixed time, that'll solve it, so you get the support to work it out. In the food category, we talked about you know, the red light, yellow light thing. Again, reaffirm the food and discuss it with a sponsor. Um, the emotional, spiritual, let's say you're having ongoing resentments, for example, towards your spouse, your employer, just always angry at that employer, that's such a nasty employer, nasty spouse. Well, what's the actions? In our program, we do fourth and fifth steps, right? That's the way you deal with resentments. What's the support? Maybe I call my sponsor and say, you know, I really need to do a fourth step, and then I'll need to do a fifth step, and let me commit to you, we'll do it by this date. You know, like you get the support, so you get the accountability. Finally, life events, going to a Thanksgiving or a vacation, you know, being around these situations creates food triggers. So again, what might be the action that you, while you're at the event, you'll call on your food and you'll weigh and measure. And again, what's the support? I'll talk with an OEM member about how I'm going to manage this. I'll agree to call them at certain times. They'll be there for me, et cetera. So again, this is just, you know, examples of, you know, hypotheticals in the four categories. So that is basically the process. What we're going to do um, in a minute or so is I'm actually going to have somebody demonstrate this. Um, I asked somebody to go through this matrix before the meeting, and they're going to read it read it to me uh, as if you know as if it was a real relapse support group. 
Now, one other thing, um, you can be open to getting feedback. Traditionally in OA meetings, like you know, we don't cross talk, but in this sort of a thing, it's more like a sponsor support where sponsors do give feedback and they do talk. So the person, um, you know, you can say to the person, I'd like some feedback. Whether or not you do this in these little circles, probably not, you know, because it's small and fast, but if you do this in a larger group, it's a good, it can be a good thing to do. And um, I just want to put up some guidelines for when you, if you do give feedback. And again, you're going to get this document. Um, so again, the basic processes, I'm looking at the one through four at the top. You share the relapse warning signs you're now having. You put down your actions to manage it. Uh, the support that you think would help you implement those actions and the optional group feedback. And if you do the group feedback, um, I'll read this. Our goal is to support the person while pointing out problems that may cause future relapse. This is done in a structured manner. First group members are encouraged to ask questions about anything they did not understand. You just want to clarify, you get it. Uh, it's important that each member is given the opportunity to give feedback to the person who presents it if they like. And you want to do it in a really honest yet loving way. And there's a lot of words here, but if I was going to think of two key words, it's be honest and be loving. You know, we want to help each other. We don't want to enable each other, but we want to be kind at the same time. That kind of that middle ground. So here's four guidelines. One, what I think your warning sign is and how I see that you're managing it, just to mirror back what they're doing. How I felt about you while you were talking about it, responding to questions, just kind of emotionally checking in the strengths I see that you have that will help you manage these, and the weaknesses I see that may prevent you from managing these warning signs. But in essence, we wanna support each other in doing what we need to do to manage our warning signs uh, to limit the possibility of relapse. So that being said, I'm now going to stop this screen share and um, go to another one. Okay, I'm going to invite Jeff to join us and uh, let's see Jeff has been kind enough to put together a um, this matrix and fill it in so I'm going to put it up on the screen in a second and Jeff's going to come on who's out there in our studio audience as I like to say and uh, let's see let's get this right Okay, so hopefully you're now all looking at a filled in matrix and we'll just pretend that I'm Jeff's sponsor, say for this meeting, let's say, hey Jeff, thanks for uh, filling out the relapse prevention um, matrix. Would you go ahead and read it? Sure, Alan, I, I'd like to go through that. Um, I guess just so people know my background. Uh, I am from South Jersey, New Jersey. I've uh, been in OA 30 years. Um, seven and a half years abstinent and maintaining a 95 pound weight loss. Uh, but I know I still have to look at the warning signs the way Alan described them. And I did go through, uh, Alan, um, all the different areas uh, for relapse prevention. And the first one I'd like to go through with you is program. And I've noticed recently I've been making fewer outreach calls Generally, over the course of the last several years, I have been pretty steady with making two or three um, outreach calls a day. Uh, and that's, that's independent of my sponsor calls and my sponsee calls. Um, and uh, I, I don't know why. Um, my program seems to be pretty good, but these are some slips uh, in the program. 
Um, I am a relapse survivor, so I'm certainly very cognizant of what I'm doing um, and fearful. Uh, you know, when I say relapse survivor, it sounds like one of those TV shows, you know, the relapse survivor show, but it's not, it's reality. It, it is a reality show for me uh, to go into relapse since I've been in relapse several times. Um, and so I realized I've been making fewer calls and I think the thing I have to do to remedy that is to at least commit to making one call a day to someone who's not my sponsee or sponsor. And, uh, and, and then be accountable uh, by reporting that action to my sponsor. Additionally, I noticed that I haven't been writing and journaling as much. Um, and that's something uh, that's been going on for a while. Um, I do use our Region 7 journal, uh, and I, I buy copies of it, but I noticed I'm doing it in a very quick fashion. I'm not giving it the attention I need. And for me, writing is a very important tool for maintaining my abstinence. Uh, so what I will do is fully complete each page of that journal every day and email um, that page to my sponsor. In the area of food and physical abstinence, um, for some reason or other, and I think it's mostly due to a health issue I have, I have a low appetite, which for me is very unusual. Uh, as a compulsive overeater all these years, um, that was never a problem. Um, and so um, my food plan has changed and I, um, I, I've introduced um, crunchy things that are not necessarily um, you know, refined flour and sugar, which is my abstinence. Uh, but they're crunchy, and uh, and I find that I'm I'm just paying attention. To oh, sorry. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah. So uh, the thing with my food plan is I really do need to uh, revise it in accordance with my health issues. I I do now have some kidney issues, and so um, I really need to recommit my food plan to my sponsor um, to take care of that issue. Um, exercise has always been a problem for me. It's almost like a dirty word. Uh, I have cut back on exercise um, and, uh, and I realize that it is crucial for my health. Um, so I do it sporadically. So I think I need to set up a schedule where I at least do my recumbent exercise bike, which I paid a lot of money for, um, and do it twice a week, uh, at least start at twice a week. And again, I need to report this to uh, someone in program. Uh, I have somebody in mind and my sponsor. Um, and, uh, and that's just the way it is. The exercise could be the recumbent bike, but also it could be walking. So I give myself credit if I go on a 45 minute walk every day or when I'm exercising. Um, emotionally, um, it's strange. I've, I've been in program for 30 years and the last five to seven years, I've assumed a lot of um, service positions, particularly for my inner group and also my region. And lately I've been feeling emotionally burned out. Like I would like a break from doing so much service position work. Uh, I do have a lot of sponsees and that combined is um, 
it's is affecting me and and that's just a matter of my own personal boundaries for myself um, so i need to re-examine my commitments some of the positions i'm involved in at least my uh i'm an intergroup chair um, that one will um, disappear in the fall and uh, so i will have time a little extra time then but i do need to I do need to commit more to the relapse prevention group that um, that we're in, Alan. Uh, you and I are in a group with a couple other people and, uh, and really um, pay more attention to that because for me, preventing relapse is crucial. Finally, in the area of uh, the spiritual part of the program, I've noticed just like with the writing, I've kind of um, not put enough time into prayer and meditation, particularly meditation. Um, I have enough trouble uh, paying attention to things anyway, but you know, spending time on meditation when I've able to do it right has really helped me. So I'm going to commit that I'm going to um, meditate at least 15 minutes a day, uh, independent of doing reading prayers and that kind of thing and OA books like for today and so forth. But I'm gonna to commit to doing that um, task. I shouldn't even call it a task of, of um, basically um, meditating in the morning. And, and that I'm gonna also report to my sponsor um, every other day. Um, the last category is life events and triggers. And I think I alluded to this and Alan, you're pretty aware of it. I've had health problems with my kidneys and that's, that has somewhat affected uh, my energy level. And uh, so I have a lot of fear about that. And I really just have to address that directly. Um, perhaps speak to a therapist um, that I've been going to and also uh, commit to talking to my sponsor. Um, that's really about it. I don't have too much else going on. Uh, so I would appreciate any feedback you have, Alan. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was going to say, you always say to the person, would you like some feedback? And he you know, said that up front. So, uh, you know, on um, first to say, boy, Jeff, that looks really thorough. That's great. Um, sounds like you're really taking care of yourself by doing all that stuff. And you're really just self-aware. You know, I read here that you're saying for the exercise, find aware who has problems with exercise and mutually report on progress, which sounds like a great thing to do. Have you thought about how you'll find that person? Um, I haven't really thought about identifying a particular person yet, but, you know, I go to enough meetings and, um, you know, I know a lot of people in my inner group. Uh, so I, I think I'll just identify someone who um, has a very similar problem with exercise and, uh, you know, just through conversations with people I interact with. Sure, sure. I suppose you could even make it during announcements. Is anyone else struggling to exercise, wants to buddy up or put in a chat box, you know, why not? Yeah, um, yeah. And then the other thing that kind of got my attention was you said that you're kind of burned out on service because you're doing all sorts of services at so many levels. And I wonder if it would make sense just to do an inventory of your service, a little bit of a fourth step on it and kind of go through it with someone to help clarify what best makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I don't really put it all together in one place. Um, the one, one kind of service I would not think of giving up is uh, sponsoring. Uh, sponsoring has really helped me with this period of abstinence I've had. And, um, you know, when I was in relapses before, uh, 
you know, I had not been sponsoring anybody before the relapse. So um, I, I think that's, I think that's a good, good suggestion just to list all the other activities I do and including sponsoring, but not with the idea of eliminating sponsoring. Sure. Well, thank you so much, Jeff. Really appreciate sure. you sharing that. Thanks for listening. Thank